Well, thank you so much, Becky and Karina. That's just lovely. Um, I could just feel the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as we were worshiping and just listening to those words, waiting here for you. And yes, Lord, we, we're waiting here for you. We want you to speak. We want you to be present. We want you to be real in our lives and in our situation. This week, uh, I carry on our series of the life of David. And um, I, I've been given uh, the passage in 2 Samuel 11, David and Bathsheba. And I guess when people knew that it was this particular passage, you'd either have a predetermined idea as to how the sermon was going to go, or you wouldn't have linked on because you were worried about what, uh, what I might share. But I want to encourage you that what David went through, perhaps what you go through, all of us go through uh, things in a similar way. You see, David was a man after God's own hearts. God uh, uh, told Samuel to anoint him, that he was going to be the king of Israel, not because of his outward appearance, but because of his hearts. So David also was known as the greatest ever king that Israel ever had. So you're in pretty good company. If you've gone through some tough times, if you've gone through some difficulties, you're in pretty good company. Uh, something that happened in David's life, uh, something that became a seed, ended up in a terrible sacrifice. And I want to start really with where we're going to begin, and that's right at the beginning with the seed. You see, what happened with David is David ended up murdering Bathsheba's husband by sending Uriah off to the front line uh, into the fiercest, most difficult part of the battle, knowing that he would die. From something that began as a little seed ended up with a terrible murder and a terrible sacrifice. Give no room to the seed. That's what the title of the sermon is today. Uh, it's a great title that I've thought of myself. Give no room to the seed. Or else what could happen, it could end up as something huge, something big, and something uh, almost too difficult uh, to deal with. Planting of seeds is good. You know I'm a bit of a gardener. Love to plant things in the garden. Jackie's much better than I. I love vegetables. And most of you will know that uh, we're moving house soon. And we're really excited because the house we're going to has got a greenhouse. And I was really, really excited when we went to visit the house. It's got a greenhouse at the top of the garden. And I'm so excited. I've even bought an Alan Titchmas, whatever his name is, a uh, book on how to grow things in a greenhouse on eBay for £5. I think it was £4.99. So planting seeds is good, and it can give you a lot of pleasure. Uh, as you can see on, on my little boy face this morning, thinking about the greenhouse, I'm really excited to be planting those seeds. But I want to tell you about a seed that you shouldn't plant, and a seed that grew and grew and grew into something uh, horrendously difficult. You see, David and Bathsheba, the situation in this particular passage began somewhere. Everything begins somewhere. And where does everything begin? Everything begins at the beginning. Everything begins with a seed. And I want to propose to you this morning that that seed is where the sin starts. You see, some of you, including me, will say, oh, it's only a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, that's not going to be a problem. You see, a seed generally nobody sees. But as that seed grows and grows and grows, 
Everyone will see it and it will, it will disable and debilitate you in your life and as a follower of Jesus. You see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 about the seed. What does he say? Jesus says that if you're angry, if you call someone a fool, it's like you've murdered them. If you lust after somebody, it's like you've committed adultery. And people have said that to me. It doesn't seem that big. It doesn't seem that bad doing, doing those, being a little bit angry or, or looking at somebody in a way. But you know what? This is where the seed starts from. Looking at something that you shouldn't, speaking in a way that's going to uh, build things up, thinking about someone in an aggressive uh, particular way. It, it's where the seed comes from. And I'm going to show you the seed. I've even bought some illustrations with me. I'm going to show you the seed. This is where it begins. We've got really powerful cameras this morning. That's the seed. Can you see it? Can you see the seed? This is where it began. And then from the seed, we read in Scripture that David... In 2 Samuel 11, it says that springtime came and the men left to go to war. The men left to go to war. What was David doing? Wasn't David a king with also the king and the men that were all going off to war? Wasn't David one of those? You see, it says here that David remained in Jerusalem. You see that little seed when the men had gone, when the kings had gone to fight in the war, that little seed began in David's mind and it began in his heart. You see, what happened was, as we move on to the second S, there's going to be loads of S's, no PowerPoint, no flip charts. You've got to write these S's down, and it's going to be amazing. You see, the second S is the situation. You see, David, uh, the seed was planted in his mind. The men went off, the kings went off to fight, but David remained in Jerusalem. The situation... David stayed in Jerusalem. The kings had gone, the men had gone, the husbands had gone, Uriah had gone, all these people had gone, and the situation began to develop. The situation began to develop. David wanders around on his roof. You can read this scripture and you can get into it and you can get to grips with what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. You see, the seed became a situation. And you know, for you and I, we can fall into situations. We can be into places. We can be into uh, uh, situations that we didn't think we should be going into. But we take one step, one foot, one movement, and the seed has become a situation. David is wandering around on the roof. I want to say to you this morning that David knew who he was looking for, because the seed had been planted. And the seed had been planted in his mind and in his heart. And as he wandered around on the roof, he wasn't wandering around aimlessly. David knew who he was looking for. He was looking for a situation. And the situation had grown from a seed into a grape. See, you can tell this is a grape, but it's starting to grow Things are starting to get bigger. Things are starting to become a lot more difficult in the particular situation for David. The kings had gone. 
The men had gone. There was no accountability. And David wandered around on the roof. He knew who he was looking for. He was looking for Bathsheba. What seeds are planted in your mind? What seeds are planted in your hearts? Jesus said, if you lust, it's like you've committed adultery. If you're cross, if you're angry, it's like you've murdered. It's a hard sermon for us this morning, and it's been preached with a thumb rather than a finger. I love that. I learned that recently. It's been preached with a thumb rather than a finger. And you need to get my heart this morning. And even Hannah at home, I went home and preached the other day, and I shared my thumb and my finger idea. And I think it's really good whether I've thought of it or something's dropped into my head. You see, this has been preached with, with a thumb. It's a thumb back at me and not a finger wagging at you. But then we come to the third S. Are you writing this down? Come on. Get your phone. Write it down. The third S. The first one was the seed. And the the seed led to the sin. The second S is the situation. And the third S is the seduction. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you lusting after? You see, some, some of us and some people, you go, well, I'm not a luster. I don't look at people in their bikinis or men in their shorts. I'm not a luster, but I want to ask you this morning, what are you lusting after? What is your Bathsheba? Or who is your Bathsheba? Is it fame that you're lusting after? Is it position? Is it power? Is it control? Is it money? Is it sex? Is it knowledge? Is it revenge? The seed is planted and you're desiring these things and they're beginning to grow within your hearts and within your life. And the devil is just contented with that seed being placed and planted so that it might grow and take over your whole life. You see, our third S is the seduction. Scripture tells us that David looked at Bathsheba and she was bathing and he identified her as a very beautiful woman. He tells his servants to go and get her, bring her to me, and then he has sex with her and then she becomes pregnant. You see, we're going from a seed to a satsuma. Can you see how things are growing now? We've gone from this tiny little seed into the grape that's the situation of pretending that I'm just wandering around the roof. No, he's not wandering around the roof. There's something that's been planted in his heart and he's moving towards the seduction. And when David has sex with Bathsheba, she becomes pregnant. You can see how things are building, can't you, Uh, as the days are passing. So David thinks of a, a, a scheme. So what's his scheme? Well, I'm going to cover this up. You know when something's gone wrong and you're looking around the room how can I cover it up? Who can I blame? Surely someone else is at fault here. And David is concocting a scheme. And he tells them on the front line, bring Uriah the Hittite home. 
bring him home and I would give him some alcohol and I would tell him to go and spend some time with, the, with his wife and have sex with her and then we will claim that he is the father of that child. Have you ever been part of a scheme? Have you ever known and believed and felt that this just isn't right? Have you ever known in your heart that you've been saying things and doing things and going to places and being with people and being in environments and looking at things and scrolling through your television and looking at your wife and looking at other people and looking at what other people drive and what other people are living in? And this, this is the, the scheme where you're looking at something and you're saying, I want that. I want that. And you're trying to find a way to get it. You find a, find a way to cover it up and you're going to find a way to get it. Bring the husband home. But Uriah was an honorable man that he wouldn't leave the Ark of the Covenants and he wouldn't leave his men. So he slept with the servants and didn't go back to his wife. So the scheme gets bigger. And you can see that we've gone from, I can't even pick it up, a tiny little seed that no one would really see to now the scheme. And finally, we come to the sacrifice. And this is so hard, isn't it, when you see that David is just an innocent man who sent the kings off to war and uh, the men have gone as well and he's wandered around on his roof. That he's gone to, from that point to this point where he decides that the, the only way through is for Uriah the Hittites to be murdered in the fiercest parts of the battle. And David sends word, uh, David is a man of integrity, a man of honor, but in this moment, he's a man of lies and he's a man of, of, of little integrity and honesty. And he sends word and he says that Uriah should be sent to the fiercest parts of the battle. You see, we come to that moment when David decides that it's time Uriah is killed. It's time Uriah is, is sacrificed and we've gone from the seed to the situation to the seduction to the scheme and now we've come to the fifth S which is the sacrifice. And I want to ask you where, where, did, where was the sin? The, the sin was in the seed the sin was at the start. The sin was at the beginning. And I, I want to uh, implore on you this morning, please, please, please drive out the seed because it will come to that point when it becomes so big, so strong that it will take, out your, take over your life and it will control your environments. And David sends Uriah forward and Uriah, uh, word comes from the front line that Uriah has been killed. It's not a white lie. It's not a little bit of this or a little bit of that. We serve a holy God. He calls us to be pure and he calls us to hunger after his things. Set your minds on things above. Focus on the things of God.
and live as though Jesus was standing or sitting right next door to you. And in verse 27, we read those words in chapter 11. David displeased God. What David did displeased God. You might be sitting there this morning and you might be thinking, John, it's a really hard sermon. John, this is really harsh for me this morning. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my marriage is like. You don't know what, what, what's happened in my life. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know how I've been treated when I was younger. You don't know me, John. And I tell you that God knows you. And I want to tell you this morning as well that if you've got the seed, you've got the grape, you've got the satsuma, you've got the apple, or you've got the melon going on in your life, I want to tell you that there is always a way back. There is always grace. There is always mercy. There's always forgiveness. There's always repentance. There's always a God that's got his arms outstretched to you this morning and that would welcome you back. That it's never over. It's never finished. It's never done in kingdom terms and in the, in the economy of Jesus. It's never finished. It's never over and it's never done. And in the next chapter, if you've got time, just read these two chapters. When David is with Nathan, in 2 Samuel 12, verses 13, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. David came with a repentant heart before his, before his Lord. We remember when Peter denied Jesus and then Peter wept and repented before Jesus as we come to a close I've got one more S for you and if you're writing these down you've got S's all over your paper but there's one sacrifice and it wasn't the sacrifice of, of Uriah's life it was the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood of Christ is going to cleanse you from all sin. What Jesus did for you and me on the cross means that if there's a seed and whatever size that grows to, that can be removed, it can be taken away, and that you can be saved, you can be set free, and you can be sanctified in Jesus' name this morning. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because there'll be the devil telling you that you've done this, that you've done that, that you've done that. I want to tell you that this morning there's a way back. Hallelujah. There's a way back for you. There was a way back for me. And when the seed was planted and the seed grew, there was a way back. And his name is Jesus. You see, salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. That Jesus came and he lived the pure and perfect life. He lived a sin-free life. He lived a seed-sin-free life. And he died on the cross. And he defeated sin, Satan, and the grave. And I want to show you my big cross that I brought along. And wherever you are, whatever's going on, I don't know. But I want to tell you that the blood of Christ can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
And the beautiful exchange can happen that your sin can be taken away and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that the seed of sin that has grown in you can be removed, can be removed right here, right now. Wherever you are in the privacy of your own home, it can be removed right now. And I'm going to illustrate this, and I'm going to hope that the camera will be able to do this. And I'm going to knock off the seed. I'm going to hopefully do that. It's going to uh, be quite hard. Karina's moving away because she's quite frightened of me and what's going to happen. And I've knocked off the seed. The seed has gone in Jesus' name. We claim the blood of Christ, don't we, over that seed. And that seed has gone. And now we're going to remove the grape because that seed might have grown to a grape in your life. And you might be holding on to stuff. You might be into situations. In Jesus' name, that situation's going to go. And then when you might have got into some sort of seduction. You might have got involved in something that you're not proud of and that you're carrying and you're holding, we're going to say to you, not through me, but through the blood of Christ, that the uh, seduction that you've held on to, that you've been through in Jesus' name, is going to be removed. Because you've got to ask. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. And then the schemes that you've been into the things that you've been lusting after and the things that you've been trying to get that really aren't the things of God, they're going to go. And you're wondering whether I'm going to knock off this big melon. It needs to go. It needs to go, this melon. And some of you might be worried about the carpets. I'm not worried about the carpet this morning. I'm worried about your sin. I'm worried about the things that you carry. And if this means that we've got to do a dramatic illustration, I'm going to do it. Because you're going to remember this. And when you're carrying around this big weighty melon throughout your life, it's time that in Jesus' name it went. In Jesus' name, it went. And the blood of Christ that cleanses you from all sin will remove this melon. But you've got to ask. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. What is it that you want of the Lord this morning? What is it of the Lord that you want? Do you want to know him for the first time as your Lord and Savior and your very best friend? You've got to ask. The things that you carry and you hold, you've got to get rid of them. You've got to ask. And if you want a fresh anointing from God, if you want to be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit, you've got to ask. Because our God will not give you a rock. He will not give you a snake. He will give you the Holy Spirit anointing. So that when the seed comes, the seed can go in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for every single person that's listening. I thank you for them. I thank you that you know them. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you care for them. And I pray, Father God, that they will reach out to you. 
that it might it won't be my words but it'd be your voice speaking into their life i pray for anyone that's listening that doesn't know you as their lord and savior I pray that they were asked that you would take away their sin. I pray that they would believe that Jesus is their savior. And I pray that they would commit their life to follow you. I pray for anyone else that's been wavering and struggling and the seeds and the things have been growing and taking hold and taking roots. I pray that they will come to you, Lord, that they'll kneel before your cross and that they will ask you to take away all of their sin. And they will, they will ask you to fill them again with the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for anybody that just is going through the motions, is sitting there flicking through the channels and just, just, just bored of life and not getting the fullness of God that we all need. I pray that they'll turn around and they'll give their life fully and completely to you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your compassion to each and every one of us. And I pray in all these things, you will have all the praise, you'll have all the honor, and you will have all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.